Hello friends, this is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. I do hope you recognize that theme song. If you do, you know what time it is. It's time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on WMAF. We're glad to be with you today. We have a brand new subject to begin to study from the Word of God. And we would just like to say up front to our radio listeners, we're so happy that you are part of our listening family. And uh, we would like to once again uh, uh, declare that we are so glad to be part of the broadcast family right here on WMAF, a, a radio station that is family friendly that you don't have to uh, to turn the radio down when the children come in because the, they may hear something you don't think is appropriate for them. We're glad for a classic country music and classic gospel music and I pray as we bring this gospel message to you today classic preaching and teaching right here on this radio station and to our fellow ministers that are ministering on WMAF right there in Madison that have churches in the area we would encourage you to go out and visit one of these fine churches and not just the ones on radio but uh, other churches in your area uh, uh, they would be so glad I, I know most pastors I think I can say with almost a hundred percent assurance that any pastor who is called of God who loves loves the Lord and loves people uh, would be so happy they would give you such a warm welcome if uh, you went out to visit and went to church on Sunday you know you're going to hear bad news all week long from all the media outlets uh, because of the condition of our world and and the, the the incidents that are occurring almost daily in our nation outrageous things are occurring indicating that we are living in that perilous time that the Bible said would mark the end times or the last days and you need to hear some good news to give you hope and to balance out this this seemingly uh, hopeless uh, situation that we seem so helpless to do anything about well there's hope for you and there's help for you it is declared in the word of God because of God's goodness God's grace and God's wonderful mercy. And today we just pray that you will you will take time to hear this good news. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be talking about uh, this good news today to give you hope and 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 offer you the help that God wants to grant to each and every one of us who live in these faulty bodies in these in this fallen world in these final days of uh, called the last days. It's so important that we have hope in our heart right now. And knowing God as a covenant friend is so absolutely essential to maintaining hope and keeping our faith in God, our trust in God, and the faith in these days. So let's begin reading and teaching from Genesis chapter 17 on the subject, God, our covenant friend. It seems kind of odd even to say that, because in so many uh, Christian circles, uh, there is not this this desire to be that close to God, to be able to speak of God in those terms. In some uh, situations, it, it may seem like it's, it's disrespectful 
to speak of him in that kind of intimacy and that kind of personal knowledge. And yet the Bible said that now we are the sons of God. And if sons of God, then we are heirs of Jesus Christ. And we have come into a family relationship that we might be able to call God our Heavenly Father. That's an intimate, personal, familial term. And yet when Christ taught us to pray, that's exactly how He taught us to begin our prayer. By an acknowledgement of this reconciled relationship that we can have and do in fact have with God. In fact, the Bible said in First John, truly our fellowship, our koinonia, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And uh, we have the great promise of Christ who's knocking on the door of a, a really a worldly carnal church, the church of Laodicea, uh, where many people were religious that didn't have a relationship with Christ. And he's knocking on the door, and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man will open the door, I will come in and sup with him and him with me. God has always wanted a relationship with his creation, an intimate, personal relationship. And that's why he made covenants in the Old Testament, which is the Old Covenant, and the New Testament, which is the New Covenant. So both Old and New Testament is in absolute covenant language. And understanding God's desire to make a covenant and to bring us into that covenant relationship where we have an intimate relationship with God, not just some religious uh, vague knowledge of the man upstairs, but where we're able to say not only our Father, which is art in heaven, but to be able to say Abba, Father. Amen. The Bible in the New Covenant says that we as Christians, when we become part of His family because we've been reconciled unto Him, that we now can say, Abba, Father. And Abba is the Aramaic word that infants first uttered when they recognized their daddy. And they would say that two-syllable word, so easy for an infant to, to, to mouth. Uh, in, in our day, our language, it would be dada. I don't believe that, uh, that your child looked up to you if you're a daddy today and, and said, Father. No, your, your baby didn't say father. But the first time they acknowledged who you were, they began to understand who you were. They said, da. Because someone kept telling that child, this is your daddy. This is your daddy. Your daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. You know, when Jesus prayed in the garden, he didn't just talk to the Father in some kind of reverential respect that is beyond intimacy with, with no, nothing personal about it. But in an intimate, personal way, he said, Abba, Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. And he was able to use that term because he was the only begotten Son of God. He was the only truly begotten of God's Son. But when he went to the cross, was buried and rose again, and people believed on him as their Savior, amen, we were given the power to become the sons of God. So 
The Bible speaks of through his crucifixion and his death and his resurrection that he would bring many sons unto glory. And we've come into a familial relationship with God, a familial relationship with God, and with, with deep reverence and respect. And actually, we're humbled that we're able to mouth these words whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Aramaic for Dada. The exact same acknowledgement of a child, an infant in particular, uh, a toddler, if you please, calling out that two-syllable term that indicates an intimate and personal knowledge is beginning to uh, to crystallize in their hearts of who their daddy is. A friend of mine, without being disrespectful, we are told that the Holy Spirit will bear witness that this is absolutely true. Every time a true child of God says, Abba, Father. And that's why Jesus began to tell us about the Father. He would say, I go to my God and your God, my Father and your Father. He would say things like like this in the New Testament. He would say, Heretofore you've asked nothing in my name. Ask that you might receive, that your joy might be full. Because, the, he said, And I do not say that I shall pray for you, for the Father himself loveth you. He talks so much about the Father that the disciples asked him, Show us the Father, and it would satisfy us. And he said, In answer to that, Have you been with me? And seen me this long, and you say you haven't seen the Father. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You see, in Him, the Scripture said, dwelt all the the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So we can understand God as a person, not just as a force or as the man upstairs or some vague spiritual being that cannot be comprehended or understood As majestic and mysterious as he is, he has a character and a personality, and all of that character and personality was brought forth in everything that Jesus said and everything that Jesus did. He said, my words are not my words, but what I hear my father say, and my works are not my works, but what I see my father do. And the more you learn about Jesus, the more you know about God. And one thing is for sure. God wanted a a deep, personal, committed relationship with His creation. And, And that's why we're studying this subject. God is our covenant friend. I really don't believe the average Christian today is seeking to enter in to that behind the veil, face to face, intimate relationship with the Father. We think God is too distant and God is too too holy to have that kind of relationship with us. And yet, it is God's desire from the get-go when He reconciles us unto Himself. And that's what He's done through the gift of His Son and Christ's gift of Himself on the cross is to reconcile us unto Himself for that purpose, for the purpose of intimacy and fellowship hallelujah so we want to we want to take you on this journey today let's begin our study about this god who wants to be our covenant friend in genesis 17 verse 1 through 7 it says and when abram was 90 years old 
and 9, And the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. And thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee in their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. Hallelujah. I want you to catch that. This is not just for Abraham. This is not just between Abraham and God. It would begin with Abraham, but it will be unto all the seed of Abraham. Now, this is where, even if you're not a Jew, <laughs> amen, today, and you can trace your lineage back to, to these Jews historically. The Bible said in the New Testament, they that are of the household of faith, and that's everyone that's come to Christ by faith, Jew and Gentile. They are Abraham's seed by faith. And the blessings of faithful Abraham have come upon them. Praise God. Amen. It involves you, sir. You, ma'am. It involves you and me today. If I trace my lineage, I can only go back to seven brothers uh, that came from England that had the name Venable. And that's where this particular clan, that's as far as I got in the tracing of my family tree. Uh, <laughs> and, and the name Venable goes from England to France, to Venables, plural. So this comes out of France, and they migrated to England, and from England to the United States. But I can't trace my physical lineage any further. But when I became a Christian, I can trace my spiritual lineage all the way back to Father Abraham. Because the covenant is unto Abraham and to his seed, and it is an everlasting covenant. That's why God said in the Old Testament, I will keep my covenant to a thousand generations. A thousand is just an arbitrary number indicating as long as as men and women are born upon this planet and as long as people come to know Christ as their Savior and and God said, I'm going to keep this covenant. It's an everlasting covenant covenant to you and all of your seed. Hallelujah. In biblical thinking, covenant is a very, very sacred word. Yet in Western thinking, it is a very casual concept. A covenant in biblical terms is a binding, unbreakable agreement between two people or two groups that contains promises made on the part of each to the other. Biblically speaking, a covenant absolutely cannot be broken. A covenant implies much more than a contract or legal agreement. Contracts are limited by time, while a covenant has an eternal quality. Amen. And that's why the Bible said, and I'm going to read verse 7 again, 
And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant. Praise God. So, speaking of his covenant with David, God says in Psalm 89, verse 30 through 36, If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then I will visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. Once I have sworn in my holiness that I will not lie to David, his seed shall endure forever, and his throne shall be as the sun before me. Our friend today, a covenant is best understood in the framework of a friendship relationship. A true friend is completely committed to stay in relationship no matter what. I've performed many weddings down through the years, and if that wedding is going to have the underpinning and the foundation that's going to weather every single storm, it has to be understood as a covenant before God and between each other. If it isn't that, because if it's just the kind of thing that's occurring today when when so many marriages are failing because no one seems to want to tough it out, no one seems to have the commitment but it's easier to just go hunt someone else than to try to restore a relationship or rebuild a relationship with the person that we have married. We take the easy way out, and we have today the no-fault divorce where if two people just sign a piece of paper, uh, then it's over and it's done with as if it never occurred. And it's because two people have signed a paper when it occurred to begin with, and they didn't understand the strength, the resilience of a covenant and how powerful a true covenant can be. Oh, friend, a covenant is a powerful thing, especially if God is making it with someone upon the earth. It began with Abraham, but it did not stop with him. Both the Old Testament and the New Testament would be rendered Old Covenant and New Covenant. Both have covenant language within them. So in Proverbs 17:17 17, 17, we see this understanding of a covenant being best understood in the framework of a friendship relationship. A true friend is completely committed to stay in relationship no matter what. Now I'm not saying this bragging, I'm saying this because of the grace of God and because when we became Christian, not when we first became married, but when we became Christian, we made a deeper commitment to one another. Something that a piece of paper certainly can't hold you together with, signed uh, uh, to, to start a marriage or signed to, to break a marriage. We made a deep personal commitment before God and between one another. And I'm happy to say that we are getting ready to celebrate our 54th year of marriage together. Storms have come. All kinds of tests and temptation has come. The enemy has done his very best 
He would love to tear us apart, but we are committed by covenant to one another. Oh, by the way, we're not just staying together, you know, because we, we're afraid God's going to get us by, for breaking the covenant. We're staying together because when you make that kind of commitment, there is a love that comes forth that binds you. That love is powerful, and it's the kind of love that covers a whole lot of faults. If you have got to be perfect to stay in a relationship, no relationship is going to last very long. Ah, but if you love one another, the scripture says there is a love that covers a multitude of faults or sins. And it's the kind of love that God loves us with today. He will judge sin, certainly, but He's made a way for sin to be forgiven and us to be reconciled unto Him. And Proverbs 17:17 says, A friend loveth at all times. You see, God's desire to be our covenant friend brings a whole new dimension to our faith. While strengthening our faith, it deepens our fellowship relationship with Him. Exodus 33 and verse 11 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. Praise God. God wants to be a forever friend to you and to me. Second Chronicles 20 and verse 7, it says, Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gave it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever? Hallelujah. Praise God. In this powerful covenant that God has made, He keeps His promises because of his personal commitment to love his covenant partner, his friend forever. Let's, oh, I want to say that again. He keeps his promises because of his personal commitment to love his covenant partner, his friend forever. Let's look at the ancient ritual of covenant making in the Old Testament today for just a little while. You know, our time is almost gone. We may have to really do this next week. Uh, in fact, I think we better back up and, and plan on doing that next week. We've been talking about God's desire for an intimate, personal, covenant relationship with His creation and with those that come to know him through His Son, Jesus Christ, in the New Covenant. We're still dealing with this same God that Abraham was dealing with. He has sent His Son. His Son has went to the cross as our Savior. But we're dealing with the same God who wants this intimate, personal relationship with us. And it begins with a reconciled relationship to Him. It begins with having our sins forgiven so that He can receive us. And when He does receive us, He doesn't receive us as servants. Jesus actually, although we serve Him, we're certainly the servants of the Most High God. But Jesus said, I have not called you servants because a servant doesn't know what his Lord doeth. Literally, when family business was discussed between family members in a room. The servants, 
that served them. When it came time to discuss these family issues, the servants were sent out of the room. That did not concern them. That didn't, they had no say in it. They didn't even need to hear any of the discussions at all. And that's why Jesus said, I haven't called you just servants. Even though I've called you to serve me, it's, it's a relationship. You're serving me in the context of a relationship, not where I am, I am distant from you and you are separated from me. You're just serving me. No, it's a friendship relationship. It's a covenant relationship that has made us as Abraham, the friends of God, the friends of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I haven't called you servants for the servants know not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. Hallelujah. Praise God. Sons of God. Friends of God. It's intimate. It's personal. It's beyond just going to church and, 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 and thinking of God is so distant, sitting aloof in His heaven, unapproachable and unknowable. No, that is not the case. This is a God from day one that wanted, wanted an intimate personal relationship with his creation and that's why he sent his son to reconcile us unto himself you know heaven is not about the place it's about the person who wants us to be with him forever here's what jesus said in john 14 he said i go to prepare a place for you in my father's house there are many mansions if it were not so i would have told you and i go to prepare a place for you and friend of mine, what a place it is. John saw the heavenly city, the new Jerusalem, described it in detail. And it's beyond, even though he describes it, it's really beyond our comprehension of what God has prepared for us. But at the same time, Jesus didn't put the emphasis on the place. But this relationship, this, this desire to be intimate and personal with you, with me, with everyone that comes to him by faith. Hallelujah. And he said, Behold, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there ye may be also. It's a place where we're going to live with God and with Christ and with each other and with our loved ones that have preceded us to heaven forever, age without end. He said that is the purpose of heaven. It's so we can be together forever. Hallelujah. A place where we can be together forever. So coming to Christ as your Savior, being reconciled unto God, the Bible literally said the just Christ suffered for the unjust, every one of us, that he might bring us to God, not just take us to heaven. Heaven is secondary. Relationship is primary. And it's because of this reconciled relationship to God that we're going to live in that city <laughs> with Christ, with each other, with our loved ones forever, age without end. So this is, this is paramount to God, is this relationship that he wants to establish, this covenant relationship, this personal relationship. And that's why in the New Testament after the cross, he brings us into his family because of a blood covenant established through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
And because of that, we are reconciled unto God. And not only reconciled unto Him, we now become part of His royal family. And He calls us His sons and His daughters, whereby we have the spirit of adoption. The Scripture said in Romans 8, we have the spirit of adoption whereby we cry. We, we cry, Abba, Father. We speak to God in the terms that Jesus spoke to God as His Father, the only begotten at that time. But after the cross, many sons have been brought into the kingdom. And Paul said to those believers in his day, Now, it doesn't appear what we shall be. We don't see everything. But we know this one thing. Now, here and now, we are the sons of God. Hallelujah. And as sons of God, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. Hallelujah. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I want you to know God wants you in His family. God wants to make a covenant commitment to you because of His great love and mercy. Amen. He sent His Son so you could be saved, reconciled unto Him. Heaven is the bonus. Heaven is thrown in when you come into that reconciled relationship with the God who is obligated by His holiness to judge us for our sin. But in His love, He wants to pardon our sin and not just forgive us and leave us on our own, but to come and live within us and take us to a place He's prepared to live with Him forever, age without end. And today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, as your Savior, and you think that I've, I've committed too many sins, I've done too many wrong things, and how could God love me? How could He possibly ever forgive me? I'm telling you by the authority of God's Word today that God does love you and that God will forgive you. If you'll repent of your sin right where you are right now, receive Christ as your Savior, you will be reconciled unto God and you can cry, Abba, Father. Well, our time is gone. Come back next week. Let's talk about Jesus. <laughs>